everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today is part two in the three-part series of my interview with Herb Elfring. And as you may recall, Herb is a retiree from Consumers Energy, but he's also an Army veteran and survivor of Pearl Harbor, as well as a father, a grandfather, and a great-grandfather. Today, we will pick up the story as the Japanese are bombing Pearl Harbor. So let's find out what happens with Herb. We started out in, in pop tent, or not tents, but, but tent, army tents at, at Schofield Barracks. And then uh, we moved to Camp Malakoli, which is down the shoreline from Pearl Harbor, and built our own our own camp out of lumber, <laughs> All right. rough lumber. And, uh, so that was called Camp Malacoli. And, uh, uh, we would, we would work building the camp in the morning and maybe doing some army exercises of some kind in the afternoon, you know. And, uh, that long, one long just fine until the Japanese hit on December 7th, 1941. So, uh, uh, that was a, a very quiet Sunday morning, as you've heard, no doubt. And I could hear the bombing toward, down toward Pearl Harbor Way, but didn't think too much about it. And thought the Navy must be having some kind of a war exercise of some kind down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were down the shoreline, but a little too far away to see. The actual action, you could, but we could hear, definitely could hear the bombing, you know. The next thing I knew, uh, I was reading the bulletin board on the corner of the barracks and, uh, I could hear this, this plane coming and didn't think too much about it. The next thing I knew, uh, there was a line of strafing balls that went right past me about 15 feet away. Well, that'll wake you up. <laughs> and it went, went across into the, the next battery area was a fellow got hit in the stomach, but lived. Mm-hmm. He lived. And then, uh, the word soon got out. First of all, I think the land of bullets went down and I looked up and saw this plane and had a red ball on the fuselage, you know. Yeah. I thought, my God, that's a Japanese plane. What's it doing here, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that was a surprise attack on our, on our camp. And then, uh, and the word soon got out that we were under attack and we all, all went to our designated uh, positions, which at that time was, uh, this new radar that, uh, we got in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, I, I was in the squad that was, Design, uh, 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 detailed to, uh, operate it. We got out to the radar and, uh, and I've been there just, just a little while. I had the, had time to get the engine started for, for power to power up the radar and, uh, I could hear this, this plane coming, you know, across the treetops. Uh, they really weren't trees, but they're more like shrubs. Okay. And, uh, I could hear it coming, saw it coming, and we all jumped on underneath the radar and 
and I could see, I could, I could, from where I was, I could see the plane coming. And it, it, it veered just a little bit as it opened up for some reason. And the line of bullets went between the radar and the, and the, uh, and the power plant and severed the power cable that supplied the power to the radar. That was another close call that morning. Well, that's two. <laughs> that's two. <laughs> two. So, uh, I don't know, I don't know exactly how many zeros did any strafing on the camp, but anyway, that was two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So now the radar is not going to operate because you, the cables would not No, it can't. Okay. But it wouldn't do any good. In the, the purpose of it was not for, for daylight, uh, information. It was designed for, for picking up airplanes. Mm-hmm. To be able to direct the, uh, anti-aircraft guns on the plane as, as we would like the, uh, search, searchlights to pick up the, uh, pick up the target. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what did you do from there? Uh, well that, that day then it became real quiet, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, real quiet for several days uh, after that, so, uh, we uh, just went on about our army job then of uh, of uh, doing exercises, and uh, along comes uh, June of 1942, and we we were deployed to the Fiji Islands again. Our uh, regimental uh, main purpose is to defend airfields, actually, so they built a. a an airstrip on Fiji already, mm-hmm. and they were totally expecting the Japanese to get to Fiji Islands. So they deployed us down there to defend the airfield. And uh, as it turned out, the Japanese never did get there, so we didn't see any action on Fiji. We got there in June of 1942, and... Uh, and we were there until, uh, I think, the fall of, uh, 1943. Alright. But, uh, as time went on, I was advanced from private to first class and sergeant to staff sergeant. And, uh, there was a, uh, infantry regiment on the island also that needed officers. And, uh, they ran, they ran two OCS day-to-day schools there. They needed, uh, infantry officers, but for some reason they could use a few, no military. Military police? Military officers, not, oh, not, not military police. Oh, just general military officers? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, another fellow in our, in our regiment, not in our, our bribery was, was selected to go. And the second session, I was selected to go. So I, I became a second lieutenant in, in January 1943. You kind of have that in common. I was, I was enlisted for a, a while and then went to, to OCS to get my commission yeah. as an officer. Uh-huh. And, uh, so you got your commission and, and then what happened? Well, then, uh, I continued in, in the uh radar 
phase of the of the operation. So I became radar officer then. And, but for some reason, we didn't really get any updated radar equipment. Oh, so we were we were kind of stuck with that same old radar, you know. And, mm-hmm. However, I had a chance to go back up to Honolulu in uh, about September 43 to a month of radar school. And while I was there, I, I met my brother that was in the infantry, had been up in Alaska with the 7th Division and uh, was sent to the uh, uh, Hawaii for redeployment. How was that reunion? Well, that was a surprise to him and me too, of course. <laughs> and I, I just, I, well, I, while I was at school, I, one weekend I was riding the bus and I saw this soldier with a 7th Division patch on his uniform and that's what I do, that's what my brother was in, so. Uh, I had, had some previous friends from when we were, before we went to Fiji. I was visiting some previous friends and he had some military connections and so he, he, he took me out to where my brother's, uh, regiment was uh, deployed. And so when I called on my brother, he was a total surprise to him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a chance to see each other uh, during during the month that I was there. And uh, one one weekend, uh, we decided to call home, and uh, we did. And uh, we talked for fifteen minutes, and the bill was seventy five dollars. You know, that's well, a lot of money today. That's had to have been a lot of money. That was back a bus. Yeah, that <laughs> was that was uh, more than that. I probably would make it come out three months, I guess, something like that. Anyway, we were happy to have done that, of course. Then his regiment went on to uh, the Philippines where he was injured and and, and it came out of it okay. But, uh, getting back to my own, uh, uh, regiment there in, uh, in Fiji, uh, after my commission, later, later in 1943, we were deployed to the Solomon Islands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, we had just built a, a, a an airstrip on the island of Bougainville. And, uh, uh, we were deployed there to defend, defend that airstrip. And, uh, uh, action was not very, very much because we only were, were alerted a couple times, you know, for, for, uh, trying to pick up Japanese planes that come over to annoy, annoy us, you know. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we did do there on uh, Bougainville was we knew we knew that the Japanese were still on the island, and uh, well, so the G, what they call G two, they got information that 
the Japs were making, going to make a counterattack on our location there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Americal Division and I think the 37th Divisions Division were both there. So uh, uh, apparently they were pro- properly alerted about the uh, uh, information, information the Japs were going to do. And uh, they were going to make a night uh, a night attack, and it was a cloudy night, and uh, they asked us to uh, prepare our searchlights for shining up on what would be probably anticipated as the as the front lines for the Japanese, mm-hmm. and uh, there was enough light reflected back down on the on the ground so that. The the infantry regiments could 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 see the Japanese attackers coming in, see, and they took good care of the Jap attack because of that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so not just searchlights, right? But you're actually able to illuminate the ground where they were coming in. That's, yeah, right. That's really advantageous that uh, yeah. you guys were able to yeah, do that. It was a big help. And fortunately. Uh, uh, the the searchlights didn't get damaged because of it either. So <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's very good. Yeah. So how long were you on? Uh, how long were you at Bougainville, and then and what did you do after that? Uh, Bougainville, we got down there uh, in 1944. The, we moved. We moved from. Uh, we were still on Bougainville then until 1944. And then in like December of 44, we were deployed to the Philippine Islands. And, uh, we, uh, the whole, the whole regiment was headed for Clark Field. Mm-hmm. That, that was the, the main military uh, airstrip in on the island of Luzon. Now, on the way, on the way, we experienced a kamikaze diver, and it happened to be, for, it happened to be the ship next to my ship. There were several ships in the convoy. Uh huh. And uh, it was an evening where they they spotted this this kamikaze diver, and I think every ship in the convoy was firing at it. The, the diver picked out a, his target as the ship next to mine. And when he come down to his target, he, he, he missed the target and landed just behind the target, very close to the, the stern, which indicated he might have gotten a little flack on his way down or something. Uh-huh. Anyway, the, plane hit the water and broke into flames and sank and no damage was done to the to, to his target. Sounds like a lot of near misses uh while you were Yeah. <laughs> while you were in the army. Yeah. You're, you're a very fortunate man. Well I, I I guess I didn't mention about a a breakfast one 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 morning on on, on Bowmanville and and I mentioned that there were still Japs on the island, you know, and we got there. And uh, I suppose that was an Army 
five-inch gun or something like that, a howitzer, landed right next to the breakfast. Like a chow hall? that we had, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a dud. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a close call. Oh, no doubt. So anyway, on, uh, on the way to the Philippines, uh, uh, we, we were not on, on a landing ship, it was a, a troop ship. Mm-hmm. And we crawled, crawled down the rope ladder into a landing craft to go ashore. And when it came to the shoreline, we ran into a, a sandbar. And the landing craft couldn't get all the way in, so we had to, to wade in. And from the sandbar, of course, the water got deeper before it got on the shore. And some of us wound up with water up to our neck, you know, wading into shore. But anyway, well, we got in okay. Uh-huh. And fortunately, because of so many guns shelling the shoreline that morning, why, there was no opposition at all getting ashore, so. Well, that's fortunate. It sounds yeah. like between the sandbar and the water, at least you didn't have to deal with the enemy at that point. Right, we didn't. Right, right. So uh, that that was very fortunate. Mm-hmm. So you were on the the Philippines. Um, we went there uh, January ninth, nineteen forty five. Okay. And our job there, of course, was to defend the air Clark Field airstrip. And. Uh, the, uh, the, the air activity that the Japs had was very, has already been pretty much pushed north, so there was very little activity by the Japanese mm-hmm. aircraft as far as bombing Luzon, and so we really didn't have any, very, very, very little to do on on uh, uh, defending the airstrip on Clark, or well, Clark, Clark Field airstrip on the uh, As a result, we, we kind of moved on down toward Manila to do various chores down there until July of 1945. Because I'd been overseas so long, I had a lot of what they call points. Yes. And I had enough points to, uh, to to go back to the U.S. for reassignment, which I chose to do in July of 1945. And uh, uh, I got there probably late July, I guess, because I was back home to Montana and on leave in August, when the first bomb was dropped on uh, Hiroshima, and uh, and then the, the second was dropped on the ninth of Nagasaki uh, on the ninth of uh, August, nineteen forty-five. Why, uh, I I got a, a, a telegram from. Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, to report 
for separation from the service already before the war was over in Japan. Oh, my gosh. If you want to hear the rest of this story, you'll need to tune in next week for the third and final episode of my interview with Herb Elfring. Thank you to the audience for listening in today. The Me, You, Us podcast is proudly sponsored by Consumers Energy, leaving Michigan better than we found it. Remember, you can find the Me, You, Us podcast on all major podcasting platforms. So be sure to go out, find us, and subscribe. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you are a veteran or know a veteran who is in crisis, you can call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line. And remember to tune in every Wednesday as we talk about the things that impact your personal well-being.